Since 2013, NBC has been the English Premier League's home on U.S. television. It's been a mutually beneficial relationship, but the side's current deal ends after this season. The next deal could be worth more than $2 billion. Felipe Cardenas is here to explain the latest in a bidding war for one of soccer's most high-profile properties. I'm Alex Avnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Monday, October 25th. Felipe, thank you for coming on the show again. You've been on the show a lot, uh, but that's good because you have you have a lot to say about a lot of things. And today, we're actually not talking about Liga Emekis. We're not talking about uh, the Argentine League or, or anything like that. We're talking about the English Premier League and specifically their media rights deal. Um, they have been broadcast on NBC. The league has been broadcast on NBC since 2013. Can you give me some background as to sort of how that came about and... What was attractive about NBC's bid way back in the day in 2013? You know, I think it's it's funny because it feels like NBC has sort of come full circle. They, they outbid ESPN and Fox at that time in 2012 uh, for the U.S. rights, the Premier League. Uh, and now they're in a very serious bidding process to keep those rights from the likes of Disney, ESPN and Viacom, CBS and some other relevant and well-established streaming platforms like perhaps Amazon or DAZN. Uh, but Perhaps what made them attractive, I think NBC has a long history as, as producing top end sports content. Uh, and the, 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 for the same reason that it's it's an advantage to them, or it was an advantage in 2012, it's the same advantage that they have now. They did not have any conflicting European uh, sort of, they didn't have any conflicts, European conflicts, NBC. They, they have, it was one league, they were, it was their standard league. You look at ESPN and they have several European leagues to sort of try to engage the audience with. And NBC had uh, a long history, even with the Olympics, the Tour de France, uh, and, and, and of course, just entertainment and media that they can produce content around uh, to further engage a fan, a casual fan or a hardcore fan of the Premier League. So I think at the time, it was, it was a different time, obviously, as well from what we're looking at today. But NBC sort of stepped up and looked like a premier platform for a league that wanted to introduce themselves thoroughly in the United States. I'm sure it didn't hurt that the 2012 Olympics had just taken place in London on NBC. Right. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure that was a factor when you mentioned big results and or big events anyway. Um, since 2013, they've been on NBC the whole time. They had a, they, they re-upped the deal in the middle of that. But the price per season and just overall for the, for the whole package has gone up significantly. Uh, you wrote about this with Matt Slater in The Athletic uh, last week. Uh, the link to that story is in the show notes, by the way. Um, but the price has gone up, like, it seems like kind of exponentially. Uh, why is that? Like, is did NBC, are, are NBC kind of victims of their own success here? Did they do just do such a good job and made the Premier League so popular that now everybody wants it, so the price has gone up? Yes. I mean, I think perhaps that's a good way of putting it because it's like NBC has cultivated this devout following uh, for the Premier League here in the U.S. The U.S. has always been very pro Premier League ever since, you know, before uh, any of these networks were even considering bidding for, you know, a billion dollar rights deals for the Premier League. Uh, and, you know, the league continues to grow in the U.S. alongside just the overall growth of the sport on television here in the U.S. Like now the access to live European games is 
you know, fans have way too many options before getting access was very difficult. Uh, on the, the entire premise this show is based on, by the way, this very podcast. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know well. I always ask yes. Alex, where do I get the illegal stream? And he sends me plenty of options <laughs> when I'm watching, you know, South American soccer. But no, only only legal streams. Right, right, right. Um, but, you know, NBC has done, honestly, a magnificent job in how they concept and how they produce content around the league. Uh, Ted Lasso is a, is a great example. You know, that was just a short with, with Jason Sudeikis. It was just a short, like a skit. It was funny. Uh, and it was a way to sort of, uh, like I mentioned, engage like the casual viewer, the casual American viewer that may be tuning in to watch golf and they catch the Premier League and they think this is an interesting sort of uh, league to watch. I want to support a European league and I, I want a Premier League club. You know, NBC introduced a lot of fans to that. So they set the bar very high for what European studio teams and play-by-play pros should look like for a U.S. audience. And now NBC's competitors know this. They've acknowledged this. Uh, I'm sure part of their bids to the Premier League is are, are ways to improve on what NBC has, has established. Uh, and as you mentioned, like the price kind of going up, I think that's just like a microcosm of the sport today globally. Uh, even just on the pitch, the, the, the richer teams are spending more. They continue to spend more. Uh, and this is a very lucrative business. Uh, you know, just, just through the broadcast income, uh, the Premier League became the world's or the, yeah, the world's richest domestic league uh, with income over $4 billion a year. So it's, it's just significant. It's a massive, massive deal. Felipe, I'm putting you on the spot here because we didn't talk about this question beforehand, but I think you can probably speak to it pretty easily. Uh, what was, I think there are probably a lot of listeners of the show and a lot of soccer fans that have become fans, maybe directly because of NBC's coverage or uh, recently within the last, let's say, eight years or so, for as long as NBC has had the Premier League. Can you like offer an idea? You've been watching soccer a long time in the United States. Uh can you offer an idea of like what it was like, what coverage was like, what sort of coverage you could expect, when you could expect coverage of the Premier League or really any soccer league in the United States before 2013, maybe even before 2010? I remember those days. It was not uh, as easy or as popular as it is now. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for asking. I've been I would love to tell my 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 tale. I mean, honestly, you're right. Like, <laughs> I don't remember watching live games from Europe as as, as a kid growing up in the 90s. Uh, late 80s, 90s, but I remember watching a lot of European soccer, but there would be these shows that were sort of like review shows produced for uh, the US audience. And that's what I would watch. I would watch a lot of Syria ah, that way. I would watch plenty of uh, English league football, Premier League at the time, uh, but they were just review shows. Uh, even the Bundesliga was like that. When I, when I would go to Colombia as a kid over the summer, I would watch live games like they had rights and you could watch, you could wake up at 6 a.m. and watch Serie A because they had a very, you know, a few Colombian players playing, but in the U S it was very, very different. It was very different. It was very difficult to to get the sort of experience that now today's viewer is accustomed to. And that experience is so important. I think that's what the networks are looking at. Like how do we improve on that experience where you tune in, you're getting the, the, the personalities that you like, the analysis that you want the, the coverage and the games and the stars all in one. And, and before you really had to fish for that, 
Uh, and you were probably missing out on a lot of the stories that now we're just used to seeing every single day. So uh, like I mentioned before, I just think like all of these networks that are sort of in the game now understand that. And, and that's how you see them building out their teams, building out the content. Uh, there's a social play as well now that was non-existent back when, when we were trying to watch games. That's right. Uh, and so like the way viewers consume the content, I think, is also driving uh, a lot of the changes, a lot of the success and the evolution of, of, of just football rights in the U.S. Well, NBC is paying about $200 million per season uh, to get Premier League rights. Uh, that is the top deal i think for a domestic league uh, in the united states but how does it compare with 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 other deals like la liga on espn syria on cbs uh, and so on yeah i remember over the summer when 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 there were the rumors of what was going to happen with la liga uh, and espn really stepped up and, and grabbed those those rights you know i was on a call with a lot of the executives from from espn and you know the the 120 million uh, euros a, a season for espn that's the u.s deal uh, you know, it was a, it was very newsworthy. It was a big deal, and I thought it showed ESPN's uh, intent to to further expand their soccer coverage, uh, especially on ESPN Plus. Remember, this is an ESPN Plus play, and 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 according to the executives at ESPN, they want ESPN Plus to be the home for soccer. That's sort of their pitch to the fan. Uh, CBS in in acquiring the Champions League was, which was also here in the U.S., just massive news. Uh, you know, that was, uh, according to what Matt Slater reported, 100 million euros for that deal. And then Serie A uh, left uh, sort of the covers that they had uh, with 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 ESPN. They move over to CBS. That's a 50 million dollar euro a season deal. Uh, and then finally, the Bundesliga, which is a very popular league here in the U.S. as well. That's on ESPN at 25 million euros. So you can see that the Premier League just continues to be the top dog that that is the that is the league of choice here in the US. Now, we're not talking about League MX. I think we talk about, you know, numbers and and viewership. League MX continues to be the most popular soccer league in the US, but from a European standpoint, the, the Premier League just stands out. And just for context, uh 120 million euros was the biggest figure you listed among, on there for La Liga. Uh that comes out to about 140 million dollars which is still significantly less than 200 million per season that the premier league is getting to sort of give you an idea of uh of scale there um what has the premier what is in in this time that they've sort of made such huge inroads into the united states what has the premier league learned based on your reporting and matt slater's reporting um about the audience here like how 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 is the u.s different than other countries maybe even england the united kingdom itself yeah, Matt reported uh, that there's a there's a, a survey market research analysis by Nielsen over the summer, which essentially said that more people are watching the Premier League. That continues to grow. The viewership continues to grow, uh, which I think is important to note that that now here in the U.S., soccer has become the fourth most popular sport behind American football. I'm, I'm it's clear they're well behind NFL. I mean, NFL in itself is a monster, and that is also a, a globalized sport. Now, the NBA very much a globalized sport, uh, but they're you know their soccer is is trending up, and they're they're catching baseball, and they're ahead of ice hockey. So uh, you know, very similar to what MLS and Liga MX sort of see in this in the new younger demographic are younger fans, more diverse fans. Uh, tend, they tend to be a little bit more affluent, the fan, the American soccer fan. 
um, in comparison to what they, you know, denominate the big four sports. And so the, the, there's a faster growing rate of viewership. They're younger and, and they represent like a long-term plan. You, you know, networks, leagues want to attract the young fan and keep them long-term. And, and I think that's what you see now, uh, according to what the market research is telling us in that same story. Uh, there was an, there was an Imperi analysis from London noted that, uh, the 15% of American sports fans were interested in the Premier League, which is up from 12% in 2019. And then nearly one in 10 sports fans said they would be willing to pay to watch top flight games from England, which is a 50% increase in over two years. So the numbers are telling part of the story, but I think you know, Alex, very well that just the soccer fan, I think is just a very attractive demographic. It's like I mentioned before, younger, more diverse uh, very, very open to what we talked about before, social content consumption, uh, and the Premier League clearly is well aware of that. I would certainly agree that soccer fans are very attractive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so armed with all this data and uh, and this market research, uh, the Premier League is going to go around and take bids for, for their next deal. Um, the NBC deal, current one, expires after this season, so this would be starting in 2022. Um, who are the competitors right now? You list a bunch uh, in the story. Uh, I thought it would maybe help to start with the long shots and just sort of get them out of the way because they're not anticipated to be major factors. I'm, these are mainly streaming services, it seems like. Apple, Netflix, Fubo TV, uh, DAZN, D-A-Z-N, if you have never known that that's yeah, how you're supposed we should to pronounce it. Definitely establish how to pronounce that. Yeah, it's DAZN. It took me forever to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to go through each of those individually, but why? I think it's interesting that all of those are streaming only services. Yes, um, and none of them are expected to be major players. For now, I, I think for now you look at Apple. Uh, you know they, what they have going for them is is in this sort of play is now they're the home for Ted Lasso, so they have <laughs> that's true really attracted a ton of new viewers and, and probably people, and you know, this Alex, you know, we talk about this in our Slack channel and I'm sure you have friends that are like, I've never watched soccer, but I love Ted Lasso. I was so, just having a conversation like this yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so Apple's probably thinking like, okay, like down the road, you know, do we make a pitch? Do we make a play for the premier league? And, and you have now, cause I think what ESPN and CBS can market is like, Hey, we can, we can produce content around the premier league. We can keep people on our platform uh, with, with different sorts of, of programming. And so Apple probably is thinking that as well. Netflix continues to be the, you know, the gold standard for what uh, a subscription-based streaming platform can produce. They, they're not, they haven't shown any sort of uh, interest in, in live sports. But uh, again, they have a very, uh, they have a huge audience that, that they could attract with that. Fubo TV, I think, is, is an interesting one because they, they're well known to the soccer fan. Like for a lot of soccer fans, that was like their way of pull, you know, um, unplugging uh, and, and going full streaming because Fubo TV was marking a lot, a lot of like access to soccer leagues. Uh, and you, in addition to the soccer that you can watch, you can just sort of watch your your traditional television as well. And then DAZN, to me, I think is is really interesting. You know, I do think they're part of the long shot crew, but you know, some of the things that they've done since launching in 2018, they partnered with MLS to stream live matches in Canada. Uh, they they are, I think, well known already globally as a top tier live sports streaming site. They do a lot of combat sort of martial arts. 
That was their introduction to the U.S. But in Europe, they they are the home for for football. You know, I, I whenever I follow people in Italy, Syria, ah, like you're you're watching Syria ah, on the zone in Italy. And I think the biggest key here is that they hired the former ESPN president John Skipper as their chairman. Uh, and he has said that their long-term play would be to eventually compete with traditional sports networks. So as far as long shots go, there is an interesting story there, but we are really talking about the big three, which is NBC, uh, Comcast, which holds the rights, Disney, ESPN, and CBS, you know, Viacom. And so it's, it's, it's definitely like an aggressive bid. Uh, and the fact that we do have perhaps dark horses could make everything really interesting. Another streaming service that I think is interesting also because they are already involved in Premier League coverage in the United Kingdom is Amazon. Um, yeah. Do you think that they could play they could play a role here? Yeah, and I think what Amazon has in their favor is is sort of a uh, a platform like Netflix. Uh, they th- there's content all you know that just abounds from Amazon. You don't have to want to watch sports. You can maybe you want to buy a, you know a roll of toilet paper. You can do anything you want on Amazon. <laughs> the only thing they're not yeah. doing is is showing like live sports that you would really be interested in. But they have the content already. Uh, if you haven't seen the Leeds documentary, they have that. They have several sort of sports focused um, documentaries and shows. And 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 Amazon Prime is 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 a go to platform for a lot of families in the United States. And so if they can attract, if they can sort of add to that, to their content base and, and their content programming, something as appealing like the Premier League, uh, I mean, can you imagine Amazon would just be immediately one of the top, top streaming platforms like they are already, but they would become sort of like they would enter a new phase as far as, as, far as sports go. Right. Um, so NBC, CBS, ESPN, these are the major players. I notice that Turner... And Fox are not on that list. Fox, of course, previously had uh, the Premier League rights, at least as a shared deal uh, before NBC. Turner just got done with Champions League uh, not that long ago. Why are these two sort of not as big of factors? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, and, and and I think who knows if behind the scenes they're putting a pitch together. But I, I, I trust Matt Slater's reporting so much. He's a, he's an expert in this field. If he's not mentioning those two then they might be out. And I think with Turner, what's interesting is that, like you said, they had the Champions League coverage before uh, relinquishing those rights to CBS. In fact, they did so early, earlier than expected. That's right. And it it was, you know, I think the way they approached uh, the Champions League coverage wasn't well-received universally. They, They definitely tried to bring the, the NBA vibe to the way they produced the studio uh, coverage of the Champions League. It was very casual. Uh, and if you look at what CBS is doing, it's it's a complete, it's a night and day the way they've, they've approached Champions League coverage, which is the preeminent club sport around the world. And so I think it was a blow to Turner that they, they weren't able to keep it. They didn't approach it in the right way as far as producing that content and, and just producing the show. Uh, and, and perhaps that's one reason why they're not in the game. You know, Fox Fox is a big one too, though. They're part of the big uh, four networks, if you include them in the three that we've mentioned, and they have some big rights. You know, they're going to have the World Cup rights. Uh, So it's not like they're not a player in the soccer uh, rights acquisition race, but maybe they're just sitting this one out and and they're going to focus on the World Cup. That's just just my theory. Yeah. Uh, I'll hit you with a few quick questions to to close up here. Uh, About how long of a deal is the Premier League expected to get here? 
uh, what's the bid process like and when are we going to know what streaming package we're going to need next season to watch the Premier League. Yeah, you mentioned this at the top. You know, NBC had the had the original bid, which is a th- it was a three year deal, and then they extended that beyond the original deal by an additional six years, which ends this season. Um, and what, according to what Matt Slater reported, and this is sort of one of the standout nuggets of that piece, is that a nine year deal is a possibility. Uh, and so we talked about just what those broadcast rights mean to the Premier League. They're the richest domestic club in the world. I think that's why a nine-year deal and at, a, at an outrageous sort of price is, is not far-fetched. Uh, what do bids look like? You know, I, I had a conversation with an NBC executive last week, uh, and, and the way he described it, it's, it's just a very traditional uh, request for proposal, RFP, or tender sort of approach. And, and what he told me, what this executive at NBC told me, is that they have a point person who's handling this. Uh, they have someone that, according to this executive that I spoke to, has a very good relationship with the rights holders. Uh, and if, if anyone listening has ever been part of a pitch, uh, this sounds very normal. Um, and there are probably steps to be taken. I think what the process probably looks like is like I mentioned before, like how do you improve? How do you wow the Premier League with uh, content ideas that NBC hasn't done yet? Uh, and, and in NBC's case, how do they evolve? And I think that's a big part for them. How do they evolve the coverage that they have? Uh, and how do they further engage the audience with, with additional programming around the Premier League? And so finally, like, when do we, will we know, you know, in the story, which is, I thought was really interesting because it's late October and the, the expectations that by mid November, early, early November, the tenders and the proposals should be in and a decision would be expected by mid November. So uh, that's next month. And so that news will, will likely break, you know, sooner than, than we expect. Well, it's all very interesting. Uh, I, I, the other interesting thing that's in that story between the length of the deal and the amount paid per season this could easily be an over two billion with a b dollar deal which is just insane to me uh that that much money is flying around soccer tv rights in the united states what a time (laughs) felipe thanks for joining the show anytime it's a fairly quiet day in the world of soccer as far as games as mondays tend to be but if you're now very interested in Argentine side Tajeres Cordoba, thanks to Felipe's appearance last week, they play Lanús today at 3.45 Eastern Time on Paramount+. Plus. That's a nice little matchup at the top part of the table. There are other games too, but that's probably the best one in terms of total quality of sides. Soccer Every Day is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can get 33% off a year subscription by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day, all one word. Thanks for listening, and happy soccer to all of you.